And this is Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, your personal trainer for love. Welcome back to the Love You podcast, where you're going to learn everything you need to know about dating relationships, sex, and men from a man's point of view. And um, uh, today we're going to talk about how to apologize and mean it. And I will preface this by saying, uh, forgive the self-aggrandizement. Um, I'm just about the most happily married guy in the world. Um, it's true. I, I, that's why I do this job is I, 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 I got really lucky. Uh, I believe other people create their own luck and I want you to as well. And I'm going to tell you the secret to my successful marriage uh, today. Some of it obviously has to do with my wife who is patient and easygoing and accepting and fundamentally a, a happy and good person. And yes, some of it has to do with the fact that she's married to a relationship coach for women and I spent a lot of time uh, thinking about these kind of issues and trying to be a better partner myself. Those are both true. But when we have friction, like any two people who've been together for 10 years will, here's the thing that saves us. I'm really good at apologizing. <laughs> and my wife is really good at accepting my apologies. Because, to be clear, I screw up a lot more than she does. I mean, a lot more. If there's a problem, I'm usually the cause of it. I am more intense. I am more fiery, opinionated, impatient, expressive. Uh, and that partially explains what I, why I do what I do for a living. Um, but it's not always the easiest uh, set of qualities to have in a husband, I'll be the first to admit. So I know what I bring to the table, um, my, my strengths and weaknesses, my wife does as well. Uh, the one thing that I find ca that can redeem me is the heartfelt apology. That is something that I have down. And it's not something that, that you know, my wife has to twist my arm and extract from me. If I screw up, she's going to get an apology within 30 seconds. This is not, you know, hours and hours and days and days of silent treatments and slamming doors and glares and passive aggressive comments. It's, I just, I make a mess. I clean it up really quickly. Uh, and I have no choice. And this is, uh, I, you know, you got to walk the walk. And if you're in a relationship and you're screwing up, you, you, you got to own it. And so I consider the things that I do wrong routinely. And again, I, 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 frame this by saying I'm a normal flawed human being. Uh, I am a dating and relationship coach, but that doesn't make me remotely flawless uh, as a person or, or as a husband. So consider that, you know, I do these things and I wouldn't be surprised if men that you've dated do some of these things as well. Number one, I don't listen. My wife is verbose and she tends to go on tangents that are somewhat irrelevant to the point of the story. She'll be the first to admit this. What's what I've discovered, and it's not fair, not right, not cool, is that sometimes what's on my phone is more interesting, um, and that's you know it's neither here nor there. It's not it's not fair. It's not respectful. When someone talks, you have to give them the undivided attention that they deserve, uh, especially if there's going to be a quiz later. Which in marriage, there's usually going to be a quiz later. Uh, the other one of the other things I do is that I tend to get brusque. Uh, I don't yell. I don't call names. I just have sort of a short fuse, uh, low patience and threshold for frustration, um, especially if it's something that I'm doing poorly. I get frustrated with myself, uh, whether it's putting together my kids' toys or looking at, at a big Excel spreadsheet, um, trying to fake my way through it. I just, I'm not very good at that. Um, I screw things up um, a lot, mostly because I don't listen and I don't learn. So that means whatever well-intended thing I try to do from dressing my kids in the morning to doing the dishes, 
I only have about a 50% chance of, of getting it right. Uh, the other half of the time, I end up messing up some minor detail, which means that my exasperated wife has to take over for me in the, in the clueless husband sitcom way of, oh, you don't know what you're doing. So the moral of the story, and this is just a tiny look at my marriage and, and why I end up apologizing, is that to be a good partner, you have to be able to apologize for what you did wrong. And you have to mean it. Right? It's not, I'm sorry you're hurt. It's not, I'm sorry, but here's what you did that also pissed me off. Right? It's, I'm sorry, I take full responsibility, I won't do it again. No ifs, ands, buts. So it seems simple, but it's not, especially when you're the person who has to do the apologizing. The reason is that it's not simple is that we're not always sorry. And it's hard for our egos to admit and own the fact that we're wrong. So I did a minimal amount of internet research in preparation for this podcast, and I found a, an interesting New York Magazine article by Melissa Dahl. And I want to I quote directly from it because I thought it was thorough, thorough and thoughtful, and it was a really good template if you want to know how to issue an apology and you could internalize these ideas um, it's going to make your relationships that much better. And perhaps you could show by example, your partner, how to be better at apologizing. Right? I know this podcast would be more popular if the title of the podcast was how to make your boyfriend apologize, but that's not something that we can control. Right? We can control our behavior and lead by example and cut off anybody who's not making us happy. So I'll just remind you, this is not to put full responsibility on you. This is you have responsibility for how you show up in a relationship. And if you're going to be a good partner and you're going to attract a good partner, you got to be good at owning your piece of what went wrong. So the basic idea is that we're highly motivated to maintain a positive image of ourselves, an image of self-integrity, morality, and adequacy. Right? This, she reasons, is why apologizing can suck so very much. <laughs> Having to admit that our words or actions hurt someone else threatens our image of our ideal self. So it makes sense that many of our apologies are so bad. We get defensive, we justify our behavior, and we do so to protect our egos because it's easier to protect our egos than to actually admit that we did something 100% wrong. So in a good apology, feel free to write this down. Hopefully we're gonna put some bullet points on the page. Number one, you actually have to use the words, I'm sorry. Um, I'm working with a, a tech team right now, and we, we just did a, a launch. There were a lot of mistakes made, and they told me all the things that happened. But one of the things that struck me when they were detailing all the things that went wrong when we were doing this launch, this sale of my Believe in Love product, was that they, they never actually said the words, I'm sorry. Um, I know they were sorry, but they never actually said it. So the human connection was never really there, right? It was like, okay, we're just reporting the facts. Here are the things that went wrong in this passive voice, right? Rather than, I screwed up, I own it. It was, this happened. So number one, you gotta use the words, I'm sorry. Number two, you have to acknowledge that you messed up. As in, I take full responsibility for my words. Number three, you gotta tell the person how you're gonna fix the situation, right? After you apologize, after you take responsibility, what are you gonna do now, right? Um, when you're apologizing, number four, describe what happened, but without foisting the blame on someone else, because it's easy to deflect, right? I'm sorry, but this person did this. I'm sorry, but you know, traffic was bad. I'm sorry, but you know, I was having a bad day. It's always some sort of an excuse. There's no but in I'm sorry. Admit what happened and don't push the blame off. Number five, 
promise to behave better the next time. Right. You can't always, number three said how you'll fix the situation. All right. This is, okay, how are you gonna make sure that this doesn't occur in the future? How are you gonna take responsibility so we don't have to have this conversation again? Number six, make sure the person knows you know exactly how you hurt or inconvenience them. All right. It's acknowledging that person's pain, acknowledging that person's frustration. Right. If I'm uh, reading my phone while my wife is talking to me, I got to put my phone down and say, honey, I'm sorry. It's not cool. I know it doesn't feel good to feel like you're being ignored by your, your husband. Right. I'm going to make a point to plug in my phone and put it away when I get out of work, something like that. Um, uh, much like the first rule, number seven, it's important to use some version of the phrase, I was wrong. Right? It's sort of the bookend to I'm sorry. I'm sorry could just be, I'm sorry for how you feel. I was wrong is the responsibility piece of it. And then number eight, ask for forgiveness. Right? There's, you know, it's, the apology doesn't really end until the person says, I, I accept your apology. Um, instead of passive aggressive, drawing the conversation out, and, and people will do that. Right? Partners who are not great communicators are gonna do that. They're, they're gonna make it harder but you're more likely to get someone to accept your apology if you offer a really good heartfelt apology by following those steps that I just outlined. So briefly, right, bad apologies, and we, we've all gotten bad apologies from people. We probably issue bad apologies, but we certainly know when we get an apology that doesn't feel good. They tend to suffer from these four shortcomings. Number one, justifying your words or behavior, right? Yes, I apologize, but not really apologize. Right. I'm going to defend what I did, so it's not really an apology. Number two, blaming the victim, right? which is, I'm sorry, or I'm not really sorry, you're, you're too sensitive. Right? Always pushing it back on the person who feels bothered. It's not that there aren't people who are too sensitive. Many people are. That might be a fundamental incompatibility in your relationship, but you can't apologize and in the same breath, blame the person you're apologizing to. Number three, Bad apology is when someone makes excuses. And number four, minimizing the consequences, right? Pretending that it's not a big deal. Oh, it's just a joke, right? The more you minimize the consequences, the more you diminish the reality of someone else's pain. And again, it's hard because two people are gonna look at the same situation in, in, in a different light, right? So there's a, a fine line, uh, but in a good relationship, we understand that it's about the relationship. It's about the, 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 the whole that's greater than the sum of its parts. And sometimes, if you're a good partner, you're gonna apologize for things that you don't necessarily agree with. Why? Because it's more important to get along than to be right. Sometimes it's just realizing your partner's upset, taking responsibility and ownership and saying you're sorry, even if you don't entirely mean it, right? it would be great to mean it, but it's the thing that's going to make things right. right? Apologizing for what happened um, because it costs very little. Insisting that you are right and the other person is wrong is usually the ticket to having uh, a lot of friction uh, in a relationship, and friction is what, what destroys relationships. So um, I, I fell in love with this topic. I, I was really excited to, to, to read that, that little list to you and, and give you a little window into my relationship. I think it's so important because we could talk about online dating and chemistry and sex and communication. We could, we could talk about all these sort of things, but if you don't have this tool in your toolbox, Right? When things go wrong in your relationship, you're not going to be able to have a good relationship. 
I mean, you're just, you're just not like objectively. So you can have everything else going for you. It could be tall and gorgeous and thin and pretty and rich. And if you don't know how to say, I'm sorry, you're going to burn the shit out of your boyfriend. Just like you have had boyfriends in the past who didn't know how to say that they were sorry. So um, we're going to take some questions. I think we've got two questions today um, from people who uh, need a little assistance in the apology department. Uh, the first question comes from Nancy, it appears. Hello, Nancy. Hi, how are you? I'm great. You look gorgeous today. Oh, thank you. I know I'm stunning, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, how can I help you? What's, uh, what's the situation? So I'm actually currently not in a relationship, but I do feel like this question is super important to ask, not only for my own personal reasons, but just something that a lot of women I feel like don't consider. Um, my boyfriend and I actually broke up recently, about a month ago. And since then, I kind of went on a little trash-talking spree and said some things about him in public that weren't very nice. But in the, you know, the past week, we've started talking again and trying to find some sort of peace in this breakup process. And I'm getting the vibe, I guess, that he is interested in getting back together. But I feel like I have to issue a really sincere apology for the things that I've said in this time period that we haven't been together. But I'm just really not sure how to go about it because I don't think he knows. I don't know. It's a very confusing situation. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure if I even have to say anything at all. But I feel like it's going to come up at some point if I don't say something now. Okay. Does that make sense? It does. I caught everything. There's a lot there. So let me sort of it's a very tease it out. Question. And, yeah. Let, let's, uh, let's sort of tease it out. Um, how long were you together? We were together for a year and a half. Okay. Um, was it a mutual breakup or did one person force the, the hand? He, he broke it off and okay. that's why I got very angry and, you know, went on a rampage. Okay. Um, uh, what was his reason for breaking things off? He didn't like, I mean, there were a, a couple different things. He didn't like that I occasionally spoke to my ex-boyfriends, even though I always told him when I did, if I was ever grabbing lunch with someone, it, it was always just like things like that that bothered him. And I would apologize that he, his feelings were hurt by them. But I, I'd like to maintain some sort of friendships with people I've dated in the past. I feel like it's a healthy way to just move on and there's no you know, harm in it as long as I'm being honest with the person that I'm with at the time. That was a big part of it. And he said he just didn't feel appreciated in the past, that I would not do things, I would not do enough to make him feel good about himself or to make him feel appreciated. Got it, okay. Um, do you understand his criticisms? I do. Um, I feel like I did the best that I could in the year and a half mm -hmm. that we were together because I have my own life too and I can't just be, you know, giving him all the love and affection all the time that he needs. I have to take care of myself as well. I feel like his reasonings were justified, but at the same time, I know that I did the most that I could in that relationship. Okay. So you have no regrets? I have regrets, of course. Um, one of my biggest regrets, of course, is just that I wasn't able to make him happy. I don't know if I can really change that this time around, but I'm willing to try. I'm willing to, you know, fess up to my mistakes in the past, um, the ones that I think are mistakes, because I'm not going to let him walk over me and tell me that, you know, everything you do is wrong. It's like, well, maybe it's a matter of perspective. But um, yeah, I do have regrets. And I do want to fix them and correct them and move forward happier and better with him. Okay. Um, I, I, so we were just, we we're isolating the causes of the break, breakup first. 
from what I can tell, and it's it's obviously limited, right? I don't, I haven't witnessed you in the in your relationship dynamic. From what I can tell, uh, he's insecure um, because if you're insecure, you're going to make a big deal about exes. If you're secure, exes are not a threat at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, again, presuming these aren't exes that you're still secretly in love with, and you don't spend a disproportionate amount of time with exes. I would say he's probably insecure. Um, and that's, you can't always fix someone else's insecurity and right. that's, that's on him, right? Which, which might be a fundamental incompatibility between you, right? Possibly, Is, yeah. You're going to spend your whole life walking on eggshells because of an insecure guy. So that's on him. Um, the thing that's on you is how he feels in your presence. If he doesn't feel appreciated, you could, you could defend it by saying, well, I have a life. I, you know, I have to take care of myself. Those things don't contradict each other. I very much take care of myself and I very much take care of my wife. And it's not, it's not like there's a finite energy supply for being nice. Right. Right. So I would say that there's probably cause for self-reflection for you about how you could be warmer, more patient, more accepting. Right. Right. If we assume men want to be accepted, appreciated and admired, if he didn't feel those things in your presence, then it's possible the next guy might not feel those things in your presence. And that's, that's something for you to, to shore up. Because he may not be your future husband, but he may be indicative of what men feel around you. Right. All right. So it's just food for thought. The same way if I were talking to him, I'd say, hey, you got to work on your insecurity. Why are you so worried about her exes? She's with you now. It doesn't matter what her exes do. That's what I would tell him. Totally. All right. So there, 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 there's advice for everybody here. And I know this is a little off topic from the question, but I think it gets to the point of what you're doing right now. Um, and I think you're trying to do two different things and we need to isolate those two things too. Number one, you want to sort of karmically cleanse yourself, right? Of course, yes. Right? You don't, you don't like the way you behaved. Whether he knows it or not, you know it. So there's, you put out some bad juju. I'm not going to ask you what you did or what you said and how public it was. Did you go on an open mic and trash him? Did you do it? Like, yeah. I was really? Pretty, I was pretty drunk. Okay. And I did a little open mic in front of... Oh, I, I was kind of kidding about that. But no, that's the thing I did. That's the thing I did. All right. Um, I, uh, if it makes you feel better to do that and it makes it easier for you to live with you, then you, you got the formula for the apology, right? It's not the apology, but you need to do this. It's just, I, I don't need to tell you this because you don't know it. it. It's, but I know behind your back, I did something that doesn't feel good. There's no effects to it. If anything, it just makes me look bad. Um, but da, 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 da. And, and you own it and you apologize. And that, that just, that puts a cap on it. That's over. That story's mm-hmm. over. Okay. And that's a completely separate issue from whether you should be friends with this guy or try to get back together with this guy, neither of which I think are good ideas. I agree. I, I mean, yeah, I'm going back and forth about it, honestly, about, you know, reconciling in any way, shape or form. Because um, I just feel like when we went through the breakup, a lot of the things that he said, I was just very shocked by. I was very much just like, well, you never told me that when I did this or said this, that it made you uncomfortable, or that it made you upset. So how would I know? You know, yeah. I only know. He, he doesn't sound like a great communicator. And and. By the way, your flaws are very human flaws too. People just go into the relationship, they act like themselves, um, but don't have full perspective. And if a partner's not communicating with you, um, it's hard for you to make any 
uh, improvements or, or have any self-awareness around it. So I wouldn't beat yourself up or beat him up. I would just step back from the relationship and say, let's assume that we are who we are and nothing is going to change because that's the most likely situation. His personality is that he's not a great communicator. He buries stuff. He's insecure. He feels like the doormat within the relationship and then he explodes. Okay. That's yeah. how you got here. That's totally. who, if you stay with him, that's who he will be next year. And that's who you'll marry is that guy. Right. Well, I, maybe you are saving me from making a terrible decision. That's maybe what I'm just trying to do. Nancy. Just move on with my life. That's what, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Is it doesn't mean he's a bad person. It means that whatever your personality types, whatever your baggage don't necessarily just mesh well together. He might need someone who's a little, uh, again, traditionally warmer, uh, more doting than you are. Mm -hmm. Right. It's not an insult to you. It, that might just be his needs. He might need a kindergarten teacher to, to, you know, grab him his slippers and make him cookies every day. Right. <laughs> that, that might be, that might be his need. Right? Oh, and you might need a guy is. who is a little more secure with the fact that you're friends with your exes and you do stand up comedy and some, some, you know, feelings get hurt along the way, but you're still a good person. Right. You might need someone who just could handle that. And it might not be him. Totally. I think you're right. So it, it, it doesn't mean anybody's bad or wrong. So th that's why I said these are three separate issues, right? Is here's what went wrong in the relationship. Here's how I apologize for wronging him after the relationship. And here's how I cut the cord and mentally move on to say, I want a guy with a lot of his qualities, but he needs to be a little bit stronger to be able to handle me. And mm -hmm. I need to be a little bit softer to be a better girlfriend. Got it. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about the incompatibility. I, like I said, I've been going back and forth about it. It's very tempting and very easy to jump back into something, but I think deep down, I can't get past someone being that insecure. It's just like, oh my God, just makes me so anxious all the time. You know, it's a lot to have to deal with. I agree. I, insecurity kills any relationship. Yeah. Um, and I, I was in your position 10, 13 years ago. <laughs> long time ago. And I had a girlfriend who broke up with me three times because she thought that I was going to cheat on her. And every time I talked oh, to another woman, I would get in trouble. Every time I looked at another woman, I would get in trouble. I'm like, I'm so devoted to you. I don't, I don't know what I can do so to prove it. emotional labor. Yeah. Well, I'm saying like, this has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with your insecurity. And after the third time she broke up with me and came back to me and said, can we fix this? I realized the same thing I'm telling you. You need a guy who has never looked at another woman and has no history, right? You and need I need someone who isn't freaked out the fact, by the fact that I am confident and flirtatious and have a lot of history with women. I just need someone who could handle that better than you can. And right. You, we just need different people than us, and it's too bad because there's a lot of love here. But she found her guy, and I found my wife, and it all worked itself out. And Otherwise, we'd be, 10 years later, we'd still be battling it out over you know, how dare you talk to that woman at the cashier? And I was like, she's the cashier. I smiled at her. What do you want from me? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I, life, is, life is too short to try to fit a square peg in a round hole. Mm -hmm. uh, a year and a half is a lot of investment. I'm not going to say it's easy to find this guy, but you've, you've, you've had a, a largely good experience, which is why you're with him for so long. And now you need a guy who's got a lot of his qualities 
without that underlying insecurity that makes you have to walk on eggshells. Right. I agree. I fully right. agree. But the point of this was if you want to apologize to, to clear your, your, your name, whether he knows he was smeared or not, I think it's, I think it's admirable and, and good karma and just good practice in doing a full-throated 100% apology uh, instead of, I apologize, but you should apologize for this. Nope, just, I fucked up. <laughs> I got drunk. There's no excuse. I did it. You don't know it, but I feel bad, and I hope you can forgive me. Mm-hmm. Well, thank right. you. And that. by the way, I don't think we should talk anymore. <laughs> I need to move on. You need to move on. Right? Yeah. And, and just... Cut, cut that cord because I understand being friends with exes, um, but sometimes you need some distance and maybe six months down the road when all the feelings are gone and it's a little clearer, you can get mm-hmm. together for lunch again. But I, I think, I think, uh, I think uh, quitting cold turkey is usually a good thing for at least the first six months after a relationship. Totally. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about this. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, we've got another question, but it's from someone who is not able to make it to the call. <clears throat> Her name is Bailey. It's a pretty name. Hi, Evan. Uh, my boyfriend and I recently moved in together uh, and are now having to deal with living together. I didn't realize it would be such a pain in the ass sometimes. Little things are starting to add up, and I know that I'm also in the wrong about some things. I'm pretty stubborn, and I hate being teased when I admit I'm wrong, which he's done in the past. It only makes me more angry and closes me off from resolution. How can I move past this? Or is there something else I can do to fix this issue with my man? Um, this is a perfect example of a question I would love to talk to Bailey, but I understand uh, at this hour that I'm recording this, most people are at work. It's not always easy to get on a live talk show and, and, uh, and, and hash it out publicly. So there's a lot of context that I'm missing that I would normally be asking Bailey. So I could only give sort of blanket advice, not specific advice, because I I can't learn any more about her and her boyfriend and her living situation. Um, I will say this on on a personal note. um, I never had a relationship for more than eight months before I got married. Um, I proposed to my wife in 16 months. We got married at 20 months and we moved in together about two or three months, three months after we got married. Um, something like that, two months after we got married. Um, and it was all a bit of a whirlwind uh, because my wife was in her late 30s and we had to move really fast. And I remember that I was fine with the wedding and the party planning and it was really all good and exciting. But after we moved in together, right, just it was the timing of things. And we got married before we moved in together. I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I was really, really stressed out for the same reason that Bailey was. I, I never lived with anybody. I had roommates, but I never lived with a, a partner before. Um, and I didn't know how to be a partner. Um, uh, it's not just a matter of being a good person or a considerate person. It's just you're in each other's space all the time, right? There's no absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, there is, right, there's using the bathroom and you know, the, the toilet paper and the toothpaste and the dishes and the rent checks and the bed and the, it's just stuff. There's just hundreds of little things where two people who've, 
who are independent adults, lived a full life, now try to merge lives and they're gonna approach things differently. And each of them is gonna think that the way they approach things is the right way because that's the way they've always done it. And it's always worked for me this way before. And I had a therapist back when I proposed to my wife and he, he gave me um, something really interesting. He basically told me to sit down and have like a planning meeting because I know it's not romantic, it's, it's not sexy. But, and I, I don't have my notes in front of me because I didn't know I was getting this question. Um, but he, he said, sit down and have a planning meeting and, and hash out everything, right? How often, you know, how often do we see so-and-so's family, right? How do we, do we combine our incomes and have separate checking accounts or separate credit cards? Do we put it all in one, one pot? Do we put in money proportionally? That's what my wife and I did. I made three times more than she did. And so I would put in three times more money to the house pot, the rent and, and insurance and phone bill. And so I put in three times more than she did. Um, that was the way we figured out things that were, that seemed somewhat fair instead of splitting it down the middle, which would be unfair to someone who made a lot less. So I think it's, um, Bailey, if you're going to figure out how to deal with living with each other, instead of continuing to step on each other's toes and resent how you're stepping on each other's toes, it's better to sit down almost lawyerly and sort of hash things out, right? Where you go through all the things that come with running a household together and you talk about them. Who's responsible for what, how you each feel about it, how things have been going so far, how you feel about it, right? So, and forgive me because I say this semi-regularly, you're not looking to point fingers. You're looking to solve problems. Why? Because you're a team. You're living together. This is generally a precursor to marriage. So we have to figure out how to make this work. Right? And your issue about, um, you know, you being wrong about things, again, without knowing what those things are, you can take responsibility for them and try to fix them. Right? And you could also bring up the fact that you're trying to fix the things that are wrong or you're going to fix the things that are wrong. And it would make it a lot easier if he didn't tease you about it. But you don't have to scream and you don't have to yell and you don't have to cry and you don't have to attack and tell him what's wrong with him. You could just own your piece of it right? and say, okay, here's a problem we had. Right? Um, I expect you to take out the garbage and you don't take out the garbage and then I yell at you and then we get into a fight about so-and-so, about you, me yelling at you. And, everything is solvable, right? Unless you're really at an impasse and there are very few things that are worth putting your, you know, and you know, they say, is this the hill you want to die on? There are very few hills to die on when it comes to this kind of stuff. A few weeks ago, I talked about how, you know, my wife has 12 pillows on the bed and I make the bed, even though I would never have 12 pillows on the bed. It's just not important. You know, I, I roll my eyes and I, I, I can make some passive aggressive jokes about it, but at the end of the day, it doesn't cost me anything to do things my wife's way um, because she's integral to the success of our household and I want to keep her happy. So if you think of your relationship, instead of keeping score of here are the things that I have to compromise on, because that's what most of us do. We think of the compromises and sacrifices that we make and we sort of don't even consider that someone else is making equal sacrifices for us. You just, are, you just remember, I never did this before and now I have to do this and I have to do this for them and, and I have to bite my tongue about this. And so you're, you're all in your head about the things that you're doing differently because you're living with someone and you don't realize that someone's probably doing the exact same things for you, but you take it for granted. So having a measure of humility when you're living with someone, 
um, and coming from the place of, hey, this is about us. For us to be happy, I have to make you happy. I have to find out what you need. And let's come up with a reasonable division of duties, a reasonable way to communicate about differences, right? And talk openly about the things that aren't working for us, right? And when you open up that can of worms and you find out that, you know, you get really angry when he does X, Y, and Z, you're probably going to discover he gets upset about some other things that he may or may not have mentioned to you. You can't get angry or defensive and get into attack mode. This is really dispassionate, putting everything on the table, right? And just hashing it out like lawyers, bullet, po bullet point by bullet point, and having essentially a contract to guide you. Not that one that you're going to refer to all the time, but the act of creating it and doing it and agreeing to these terms, right? Sets sort of a template. And my doctor way back in time said, you should review that contract once every quarter or half year or year. Go back to it. What's changed? What do we need to modify about our agreement based on, you know, your job or my time or, you know, just shifting duties or desires. So as long as, as you guys get ahead of the problem, you'll be okay. If you continue to, you know, snipe at each other, um, you know, because it's so uncomfortable to have a conversation and make a contract. If you refuse to have this conversation, nothing changes. You're just going to be in the same exact place that you are right now, tiptoeing around each other, afraid that you're going to piss each other off, pissing each other off, making comments. And it's, it, it's, it's an unhealthy way to approach relationships. Uh, we have to remove emotion to some degree and get into problem solving mode, not finger pointing mode. So if you see yourself as a problem solver and you own that you're a piece of the problem, it's going to inspire your boyfriend to realize that he's a piece of the problem too. And together you could have something that works because everybody wants to have a harmonious household. Uh, it's not like you and he have completely different needs. It's just actually discussing about what it's going to take to achieve those needs instead of assuming that everybody's going to figure it out themselves because clearly you guys haven't figured it out quite yet. So I want to thank you, Bailey, for asking this question. I'm sorry you couldn't be here today. Um, but uh, I hope everybody who listened got the, a little something out of it and understands the necessity of learning how to apologize and communicate uh, within the context of a relationship. It is a relationship saver. Uh, and better yet, it's a relationship strengthener. Um, couples who can discuss things are much stronger than couples who can't. So thank you for joining me on today's Love You podcast. My name is Evan Mark Katz. Next week, I am interviewing the irreverent, foul-mouth, straight-shooting dating coach, Kira Sabin. I don't know what she's going to say, um, but I guarantee it'll be off the wall, and I suggest you tune in to find out. Don't forget to subscribe to the Love You podcast on iTunes and on YouTube in the links below. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter. And if you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends, please. And uh, go to www.evanmarkkatz.com. Give me your name and email address, and I will send you personalized dating and relationship advice that will help you understand men and find love. Thanks a lot. Thank you.